to Deeply Disturbing Things, the podcast. I'm Macy. And I'm Naomi. And we're two anxious counselors who like to talk about deeply disturbing things. Jump into the vortex with us. Hey. Hey. Cheers. Cheers. We did our first um, VIP special patron. Podbean patron only content. Can I call it a patron? You can. I just don't want them to get confused with Patreon, which is different. How is that different? It's a different monetization thing okay you can be our patron podbean patron (laughs) it's only a dollar it's only a dollar it helps us out with gas with wine with uh uh, adapters adapters that we constantly have to replace bangs trims wires bang trim i do need one (laughs) actually i have an appointment scheduled tomorrow how did you know i could tell (laughs) it's that time as a a fellow (laughs) member of the bang gang i i I know i can sense it so a benefit is that you get uh the like some more personal recordings of us like we just did one as we were setting up that's a little bit more uh just you know just us being now with us yeah Yeah. so it's only a dollar Check it out. Podbean, yeah, Patreon. Check it out. We're worth at least a dollar. I, I agree. I mean, at least. At least. We are biased, but I'd pay a dollar for us. I might I might sign up. I might too. <laughs> <laughs> it might make me feel better about it. <laughs> me too. Uh, do you have any check-ins? No. Just a reminder. Um, oh, watch. watch Brandy Cherry Flavor. Yeah, watch that. Because we're reviewing that next time. Next I'm ready. Time? I'm so ready. I watched I'm, it all I'm, again. I've watched good. it twice, but now I want to go through again and take notes. So that I took I notes. Some notes. Okay. Okay. Got the nuances. Great. <laughs> I'm excited for nuances. You um, get to go first. I do get to go first. I'm excited. I'm going to have another dark chocolate covered watermelon stick. They kind of gush in my mouth in a weird way. I just don't know how I feel about it. Um, That's why I like it the gush i feel like it's missing a texture i've been watching a lot of cooking shows lately like maybe like a crunchy exterior like like maybe it chocolate needs, maybe there's to be a cookie shell around the watermelon I'm, and then dipped in chocolate i want a crisp yeah i want a crisp mm-hmm. to offset the goo got in, it in I, I get that great all right are you ready yes what do you got okay so who's your favorite fairy oh let me think of the fairies i know um there's the Robin Williams fairy from Fern Gully. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Tinker it's one of my Bell. favorite movies. Tinkerbell, the obvious choice. Um, from Nutcracker, the Sugar Plum Fairies. Okay, I'm very impressed because I only thought of Tinkerbell off the top of my head. <laughs> You've got three. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I could probably keep going. Why? What's it? Why? Keep going. Well, I, do you have more? I don't know. I'd have to think. Okay, if you have more, let me know. Okay, I'll pop cur- in. With I'm them. curious about like just general knowledge about about that. I guess. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the deeply disturbing background of fairies. I love fairies. Yes. Did you see? Um, oh my god, what's that called? Uh, Eurovision with mm. Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm so good it's a bit super funny (laughs) i like it a lot i mean that that movie proves fairies are real yeah fairies exist they're real they're little little houses (laughs) yes okay so i was actually just amazed by how much history there are behind fairies and so i'm going to share the dark side because that's what we do here we go to the dark side I'm so excited. Okay. I have so much information. I'm going to try to try to make it the good. Dark, dirty, and twisted 
Uh, wow. Underbelly of the world. We go there. We go there. And we shine a light on yeah. it. Yeah. Butterflies? Not so nice. Not so Fairies? beautiful. Not so nice. Not so cute. All right. So a pamphlet circulated in 1696 told a story of a 19-year-old domestic servant named Anne Jeffries, who, while knitting in the garden, encountered six persons of a small stature, mm. all clothed in green which she called fairies. The story was written and published by Moses Pitt, a London-based printer and bookseller. Jeffries had been employed by Pitt's family, um, so this was dated back to 1645. The publication was part of his own personal reflections of a mysterious event that occurred during Jeffries' childhood. However, it is also indicative of a complex nature of fairy belief during the late 17th century, um, where political opinion started to divide between strict Christian orthodoxy and the increasing skepticism of the natural world. To bring fairies into this too, people? Come on. Right. So like- There's I nothing was, sacred. I was super amazed. I was like, oh, okay. Like there's some, some depth here to this Tinkerbell story. Here we go. <laughs> so medieval fairies, so there are like- Fairies, depending on the time, were perceived in different ways. So medieval fairies were more mischievous, but lovable and occasionally unpredictable. Hmm. Ooh, who knew medieval fairies? The fairies, though, of the 16th century were far more dangerous. So Protestant officials correlated the belief in fairies at the time with uh, malfeasium and the devil. Oh, yes. The Elizabethan preacher Edmund Bricknell argued in 1579 that the purpose of fairies and such other fancies was to cast of the spirit, cast off the spirit of grace so that the devil will forever be the terror of our conscience. Fairies and fancies. Fairy fancies. Are they always little? Are there ever no, no, like I'm gonna, giant fairies? I'm going to get into this. Okay. Don't you worry. I won't. Be we just worried. got our, we got a toe in the water. Yeah. Just a toe. We've just dipped a toe. So Pitt described on meeting the fairies that Jeffries fell into a kind of convulsion-like fit. It left her so sick that she could not stand on her feet. The Protestant understanding that fairies could enter the mind to corrupt the soul uh, was really prominent between the 16th and 17th century, drawing parallels between medieval folk tales and contemporary fears of the devil. Similar cases, such as the story of a convicted Scottish witch named Isabel Haldane, who was taken unwell after a visit from the fairy folk in 1623, were consistently reported in cheap prints. Later in 1677, the Dr. John Webster diagnosed the cause of fairy taken illnesses as ignorance, poppery, and superstition. Hmm. So, this was actually something that um, was right around that time when women. Um, uh, we're being accused of witchcraft as well. Mm -hmm. So right around that time. Go ahead. I see you. No, I was just thinking in. in my mind that I just think it's lovely that sort of that term witch has been reclaimed. And now it's like, yes, I am into all this stuff. Like, like, and um, it's not like the, the word, bad thing. like, like a coven is like a, a group of yeah like all these terms yeah. that mm -hmm. used to lead to somebody being uh burned at the stake or, or what have you are now reclaimed and like mm -hmm. this 
used with a sense of pride and um so belonging and in in this in the 16th century it wasn't no. Just, just to throw that out there. As a young unmarried woman, Jeffries was perceived as likely a victim of the devil due to her own vulnerability. So gender issues came up a lot during all of this, um, and especially in this tale. She recovered from her illness, suddenly acquired the ability to heal using potions and charms, reflecting the role of a medieval cunning woman, or aka a witch. She also, cunning. if you're cunning, you must be a witch. And if you're a bitch, you're definitely a witch. This, that's like that word last time you used, <laughs> comely. It's like, why is that necessary? Comely. She's such a comely, intelligent woman. I'm pretty sure cunning is not used as a compliment in this context. No, you're saying her <laughs> face looks like a loaf of bread. Got it. Okay. <laughs> no, for cunning. <laughs> cunning, not comely. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, what? No, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I was right. thinking of a fox face and then you said loaf of bread and like my my oh, brain like you, were gone. you well, jarred I, my brain I was gonna go to the, my next point so she refused <laughs> to eat for a long period of time and and they said that um instead she was fed by fairies from that harvest time oh. to the next Christmas day with fairy bread there's where I got bread oh fairy bread which she also gave to young Pitt while he was in her care the dependence on evil spirits and the use of magical charms was forbidden in the 17th century both in secular and ecclesiastical ecclesiastical oh my gosh I'm so impressed yes belief <laughs> I, I did not think you were going to just know that as an act of witchcraft. So between 1572 and 1716, for example, there were at least 39 Scottish trials that specifically condemned the communication with fairies or fays as an act of, um, mm -hmm. uh, yes, as an act of witchcraft. The punishment of which was cruel, ranging from flogging or banishment to execution. Mm, that's severe. Yes. I had no idea fairies were part of this at all, just by the way. No. BT dubs. Fairies were evil creatures. This is how they viewed them. With the capability to harm um, harm things, they had collusion with the devil, really a diabolical remnant of Catholic past. But they Fairies could, are diabolical. Right. Did you? Colluding with the devil. Because when I think of Tinker, Tinkerbell, my one and only reference I can pull up easily, um, she is she fits more of that like mischievous, like well-intended, but kind of clumsy in a way, but not bad. Right. Like right. A, like an innocent bumbling, but remember, maybe a little mischievous, but, remember but not when evil. When she got mad, when she got jealous, yeah, she started acting mean, which means she, we can't she assume did. fairies are all good. And then she relied on the audience to bring her back to life. Which is just bullshit. We know that. Okay. So in the, um, so they can apparently bring good fortune to those they encounter and have been known to bestow gifts of healing, food, and magic. So in the 1690s, when religion dominated and divided the political opin opinion, the, the pamphlet um, that he wrote about fairies can be seen as a reaction against increasing popularity of atheism and disbelief in the aftermath of their civil wars, 1642-51, and the Glorious Revolution, 1688. Pitt presents the case as evidence of the great and marvelous works of an interventionist God, emphasizing that Protestant doctrine of providence. As a result, the pamphlet challenges the hostile attitudes towards religion to suggest that fairies, miracles, and folktales still have an important place with in skeptical society. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay, so that's the historical background. Let's talk about the personality of these little fairies. Okay. okay. Let's get to know them. Let's get to know them. So, 16th century fairies of folklore were vicious, <laughs> vindictive, cruel, um, really embodying forces of nature. Uh, they were viewed often as like lesser deities or even common, like almost like with um, like mythical gods, like mm. that kind of idea of them. Uh, often appearing as monstrous figures rather than the winged pixies that we associate. Oh, with so they today. were bigger. Yes, and very different forms. I mean, a giant fairy, I don't think it would be as cute. No, and I'm going to describe <laughs> some that you're going to be like, that's definitely not cute. So fairies were believed to be spirits of the dead, survivors of long lost tribes, guardians of nature, demons, or supernatural race that grew alongside humanity. The concepts often emerge, but in general, most fairies of folklore can be classified as spirits, either either um, of the dead or of nature. As such, they were feared and revered in equal myths. Fairies of folklore were blamed for mischief and ills, ranging from vandalism, theft, murder, and kidnap. Hmm. They would frequently be blamed for causing livestock to grow sick or die, they would lead travelers astray at night or lure men to their doom near ponds and rivers. And if sufficiently are, angered, they'd kill. Why are men in Europe always being lured to their ponds. doom in ponds and rivers? I think there's a lot of ponds. <laughs> I mean, if we just go statistics, eventually you're going to drown in a pond. It seems like it occurs way more often in Europe. Throw in a pissed off Than in North America. You're fucked. <laughs> So not all fairies are like truly bad, similar to portrayal in pop cultures. Some like to interact with humans and even ask them to join in their activities. However, this is where we have to think, like step back from our mode of thinking to more mythical gods, like who played with people almost to see interactions of how things would happen, but they weren't Mm -hmm. attached so much similar to that. So they could be really ignorant to the effect that they would have on people. So, um, or how they're, they're changing something could impact the human world. So for example, when a human joined fairies in innocent activities like playing or dancing, sometimes it would become a perception of time. They would wind up playing for a hundred years. And in some cases have strange afflictions in which the involved fairy may neither care or even be aware of it. So it's something that like their, their frivolity just doesn't have human attachment. So you could get caught in these um, kind of contingencies of being between two worlds. Because you're playing a fairy game, right? Right. Mm. It's like Hunger Games, but with fairies. So the motives behind it can be ambiguous. So it you may not really understand why they're doing what they're doing. And it may be way bigger than you. Hmm. So there's several distinct types. The most feared and malicious were the unseelie court, who would often attack and harass mortals without cause or reason. So I'm going to go over some specific ones here in a minute. Okay. Um, so just to keep in mind, these were very amoral ones, um, and they were greatly feared and ruled in a manner like ancient gods. Vengeance and fear were their motivations. Hmm. So I fairies, might like these ones. Fairies could kidnap women, children, or men as they saw fit, um, 
often replacing them with changelings. So we've talked about this briefly. I can't, I was trying to remember which topic changelings came up. I don't up think in. we talked about changelings. It came up, it came up in something because I sat and went through the whole list because this right here made my brain go. Was it duppies? Oh, that might be right. Maybe it was. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit more now about changelings before I go into this, give a couple detailed examples of the the bad fairies. Okay. Okay. So a changeling um, is historically referred to as an oaf. Oh. Is a human-like creature found in folklore throughout Europe. A changeling was believed to be a fairy that had been left in the place of a human stolen by fairies. So a changeling is typically identifiable via a number of traits. In Irish legend, a fairy child may appear sickly and will not grow in size like a normal child and may have notable physical characteristics such as a beard or long teeth. (laughs) Watch out for those bearded fools. Bearded babies. Bearded baby fools. They may also display intelligence far beyond their apparent years as well as possess uncanny insight. So this kind of goes against our modern take on the word oaf, which is like clumsy oaf. Mm -hmm. Like this seems different. Yes. A common way. So a common way that a changeling could identify itself is through displaying unusual behavior when it thinks it's alone, such as jumping about, dancing, or playing an instrument. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I think many of us jump about when we're alone. And play an instrument. (laughs) You know, you're the first one I'd question it as being a changeling. <laughs> so let's not get it twisted. So here's out of a, a folklorist D.L. Ashleyman, Ash, Ashleyman, sorry, proposes in his essay, essay called Changelings, a human child might be taken due to many factors, such as to act as a servant, the love of a human child, or for malice. Most often it was thought that fairies exchanged the children. In rare cases, the very elderly of the fairy people would be exchanged in the place of a human baby so that the old fairy could live in comfort being coddled by its human parents. Ew. Isn't that kind of gross? <laughs> There's actually a real case like that. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I do. where they I adopted, the they yeah. thought it, it was like a six-year-old girl. Yeah, but it turned it was out like she was like 20-something. Yeah. And they were like giving her baths and stuff. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah, yeah so it's like this. That's exactly this. This, Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So simple charms. Such I'm as- going to take a second look at Stella. <laughs> look deep in her eyes. Are you dancing and frolicking when I'm gone? <laughs> simple charms could uh, like an inverted coat or an open iron or scissors left where the child sleeps were thought to ward them off. What? That just seems like a bad idea. <laughs> right? Other measures included a constant watch over the child. So that's a depiction. We do of not advise leaving like. sharp objects around oh, your ad- baby. Advise anything we talk about on this podcast. No, we don't. No. Nothing we ever say should be considered advice. Yeah, this is purely for entertainment purposes. A pleasant, okay, sorry, a peasant's family uh, substance frequently depended upon the productive labor of each member, and it was difficult during this again 16th century to provide for a person who was a drain on family resources. Mm. So the fact that a changeling's ravenous appetite is so frequently mentioned indicates that the parents of these unfortunate children for the 16th century saw in their continuing existence a threat to the sustenance of the family. Changeling tales support other historical evidence in suggesting that uh, infant, infant, infanticide 
Infanticide. Infanticide. Thank you. Is frequently the solution selected. So this. Ooh, because uh, your mm-hmm. kid's hungry. Well, too well, hungry. Eh. So, from I was a hungry kid. So medical experts. What if somebody had infanticided me? So medical experts believe that some changeling tales actually developed out of that um, desire to explain deformed, developmentally disabled, or neurodivergent children. And it, and like mm-hmm. give parents an out. Yeah. Like, well, it's not my child. To then leave it's the a child. changeling. Yes. Among the diseases or disabilities with symptoms that match descriptions historically mm. include spina bifida, cystic fibrosis, PKU, progeria, 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 down syndrome, me neither, uh, homocystinuria, Williams syndrome, Hurler syndrome, Hunter syndrome, uh, autism spectrum disorder, Crowder-Willie syndrome, and cerebral palsy. Do some of those involve beards? No, none of them do actually. (laughs) (laughs) But again, a, a way to help families feel okay with that decision would be viewing it as otherworldly not right it makes it like culturally Mm -hmm. acceptable at that time to kill your kid which if anyone's watched outlander we know it's not she saves the baby and everybody thinks she's a witch for it it's true have you watched outlander spoiler um no but i read the books did you yeah are they they're soft porn yeah, no, that's true. There's so much butt in it. I'm like, there's so much butt in it. So I was like, I feel embarrassed if someone comes in the room. Like, I didn't pick the scene. It just was on. It's been on for a while and it's still going. So uh, the gr- I'm not even watching it. <laughs> it's just I'm folding laundry. I'm looking at my phone. The greater incidence of birth defects in boys also correlates to the belief that male infants were more likely to be taken by fairies. Uh, psychologist Stuart Weiss writes mm. that modern parents have higher expectations of childbirth, and when children don't meet these expectations, parents sometimes find a different demon to blame. So they basically this still exists today, or can exist today, when with parents' expectations of having the perfect child, and I think that's um, common. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of parents will often go through a grief and loss process of discovering that their child has some sort of disability of some kind um and that can be true like if the child's deaf if that child has a physical um illness or needs some reminders Mm -hmm. or doesn't love to do the dishes i mean you're really broadening this well i'm just thinking of all Um, the unrealistic expectations that parents have very true and um very complex instructions for developmental ages. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So these just, this is my word of warning, be cautious of your expectations because these are what led people in the 16th, 17th century to kill their own babies and blame it on a demon. So, well, I think even today it could lead to like child abuse. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So more, just kidding. Sorry. I back up. Okay. So. And off. At times, that could lead to death. Yes. If the abuse gets too extreme. I mean, this wasn't a PSA for that, but take it. But we're going there. Go go there. So fairies can take adult humans too, just letting that be known, especially newly married and new mothers. Oh. Young adults were taken to marry fairies instead, while new mothers were often taken to nurse fairy babies. 
Often when an adult was taken instead of a child, an object such as a log was left in place of the stolen human. A log. Enchanted to look like the person. But it's just a log. <laughs> it's just a log. It is. Um, this object in place. You're of not the- very infectionate anymore, honey. Oh, you're a log. Log. <laughs> This object in place of the human would be seen to sicken and die, to be buried by the human family, while the living human was among the fairies. So Bridget Cleary is one of the most well-known cases of an adult thought to be a changeling by her family. And her husband actually killed her, attempting to force the fairies to return his real wife. Ooh, I don't mm-hmm. think you should do that with fairies. No. Log by Blamo. Um, so this also comes up with beauty norm expectations too for kids. So, um, particular traits in the 16th century, which evoked brightness, reflexivity, blonde hair, blue or silver eyes, or said to attract fairies as they perhaps were the very precious traits. Oh, so I would have been fine. (laughs) They didn't want you. The fairies would not have come for me. No, they would have ended up killing you saying, where is my okay other other folklore other folklore says that human milk is necessary for fairy children to survive oh in these cases either newborn human child like they'd be switched with the fairy baby to be suckled by the human mother or the human mother would be taken back to the fairy world to breastfeed the fairy babies it is also thought that the human midwives were necessary to bring fairy babies into the world wow interesting right so in Scottish folklore, children might be replacements for fairy children in the Tith to Hell. This is a ballad um, by a Ballad of Tam Lynn. According to common Scottish myths, a child born with a call, part of the amniotic membrane, across their face is a changeling and will soon die. Oh, I think that's, that's considered an omen in a lot of cultures. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, it was really fascinating because like this, the concept of a changeling was across so many countries. I could have like pulled at least 15, 20 countries that specifically have changelings as part of their historical explanation of. Which um, makes you things. wonder if there's some truth there. Some story t- stories tell of changelings who forget that they are not human and proceed to live a human life. Changelings who do not forget, however, in some stories, return to their fairy family, possibly leaving human the human family without any notice or warning. The human child that was taken may often stay with the fairy family forever. Feeling connected to the fate of the changeling, there are families who merely turn their changelings loose to the wilderness. Oh. <laughs> There's just a lot of this that, like, reads to me of, like, yeah, but where'd your wife go? <laughs> Yeah, but why did you send your toddler into the forest <laughs> alone at night <laughs> by a river or a pond? <laughs> Do not be called to your death by a river or a pond. A lot of yeah, fellas out there. Yeah, but um, some folklorists believe that fairies were memories of inhabitants of various regions in Europe who had been driven into hiding by invaders. They held that changelings had actually occurred. The hiding people from the invaders would exchange their own sickly children for healthy children of the occupying invader. Oh. So, you know, just an idea. Just an idea out there. So let's talk about the more aggressive types. Oh. All right. So these. Agro fairies. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. These are ones who will 
quite happily snatch mortals away, often screaming in terror, forcing them to become the unwilling brides or servants. However, this works both ways. There were many tales of greedy and foolish mortals enslaving fairies in similar ways, going the other way, too. So we're bad, too. All right. So these next three that I'm going to go into detail about are so bad that even their very names are believed to bring bad luck. So you're going to say it out loud? I know, right? I already did multiple times because I was trying to pronounce it right. I'm already done for, so it doesn't really Great. matter. But now you're bringing it into my bedroom. <laughs> Bad luck in the bedroom. <laughs> Didn't you just brag about that earlier? Something about something? Well, if you want to know, you'll have to become our Podbean patron. Oh, was it then? Okay. Yeah. See, look, <laughs> I even forget. Okay. So uh, the, the Black Anise, also known as the Black Agnes or Black Anna, it's been said, is a boogeyman type fairy figure mm. in English folklore, um, often imagined as a blue-faced hag or witch with iron claws and a taste for human flesh, especially children. Hag is another word I do not like. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while, actually. It's just so <laughs> insulting. I think I'd probably laugh if someone called me a hag. Like, I'd have to, like, probably props. I haven't heard it in a while. Like, it's not... It's such a, like, put down, though. But it's not, like, a normal thing that people say. Like, if you call me a hag then I'm going to assume you're like alone at home and don't socialize. Like that's such an outdated word. I'm going to insult you for something else for calling me that. Okay. Okay. So they live in a cave in the countryside. Um, they're said to be in, in the town countryside of Leicestershire. Sorry. Living in a cave in the Dane Hills with a, within a great oak tree. Oh. At the entrance. She is said to venture out at night looking for unsuspecting children and lambs. Oh, and lambs. Mm -hmm. And then she tans their skin by hanging them. This is, sorry, it gets dark. By tanning them on a tree before wearing them around her waist. She would reach what? inside of houses to snatch people. And legend has it that she used her iron claws to dig the cave outside of a the side of a sound, sandstone cliff, uh, making herself a home, which is known as Black Agnes Bower's Clothes. Hold on, though. She's just wearing the skins around her waist, so it's like a skirt. Yeah, yeah. She makes a skin skirt mm -hmm. out, out of lamb, lamb and, and children's, children's skins. skins that she has huh. tanned. Uh, she, you picking fur off of your lamb is there, one of the most distracting things I've ever I, done. It's, I'm sorry, there is I'm a so cat bothered. hair on my lamp, and it's turn really it. bothering just me. Turn it. Okay, don't no, I don't. It doesn't exist. Oh my gosh, I couldn't breathe. All right. <laughs> I couldn't get it either. I know, that? I know. It was so frustrating. I was, I it's kept, I trimmed my nails today. I kept watching and waiting, waiting and waiting. For me to get it. And then I just wanted to <laughs> slap your hand away or knock the lamp off the table. Either would have been acceptable outcomes to my behavior. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, so <laughs> the, hey, uh, okay. Another right. reason having three plus cats is a bad idea. Right. The, the Cat hair is everywhere. It's true. The legend led to parents warning their children that she would get them if they didn't behave. And um, she was also known to hide in the branches of her oak tree waiting to leap down on suspected prey. So you'd always be like worried. <laughs> She's like up above you. I, I'm always worried about what's going to leap down from an oak tree on me anyway. When she grinds her teeth, people could hear it from Ooh. the town. I know. This is uh. the worst. I got children saying it. Giving them time to bolt their doors and keep away from the wind 
windows. Oh, it good is, thing she ground her teeth right? ahead of time as a warning. It is said that the cottages were purposely built with small windows so she could only get a single arm inside. When she howled, she could be heard over five miles away. And then the cottagers would fasten their skins, uh, fasten, I'm sorry, skins across the window and place protective herbs above it to keep themselves safe. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that's that one. Ready for the next one? Yes. A second bad luck name. Yeah. The Nukalevi is a mythical sea creature that turns into a horse-like demon when it ventures onto land. Um, this has been seen kind of cross between this kind of um, fairy mythology back or fairy folkology and Norse mythology. So it's been kind of scattered around even Scotland's Northern Isles talk about this. The Nucklevee's breath was thought to wilt crops and sicken Ugh. livestock. And the creature was held responsible for droughts and epidemics on land despite you know, being mostly in the water, mm. a unique and solitary creature. This creature possessed the extensive evil powers being able to influence events throughout the whole islands. Islanders were terrified. The creature would not, and would not speak its name without immediately saying a prayer. It was often found in the vicinity of the beach, but it would never come ashore if it was raining. <laughs> I'm saying all these things in your room. I'm, I'm sorry. wondering, is it, like Candyman, though, where you have to say it like three times. No, nope, just once. Oh, one, well, the, one then done. And I well, have no prayer. They didn't tell one, me the prayer. And now I'm done. So there's no tales to describe what form it takes when it's in the sea, but its appearance on land has been talked about in graphic detail. So one islander said that claimed to have survived a confrontation with the beast. So he reluctantly gave his account. He said that. The Nukalavi has a man's torso attached to a horse's back as if it were a rider. The male torso had no legs. Wait, it's just stuck on the back of the horse. But It's, it's not arms, the head of the horse. But its arms can reach the ground from its position on oh, those top are long of arms. the equine body. I know. I don't like it. The legs of which have fin-like appendages. The torso has a large head, possibly as much as three feet long. Oh, it lives in the water. That's right. Right, right. Like, wait right. a minute. How does it? And then it comes out of the water. Um, so the uh, head apparently rolls back and forth. Ew. Right. Lolling. Lolling. The monster described by Tamas had two heads, actually. The equine head was had an enormous gaping mouth that exudes a pungent toxic vapor and a single giant eye like a burning red flame. A particularly gruesome detail is that the knuckle V has no skin. Oh. Right. You it had, just keeps you had, getting better. You had an image and I want you to change it now. So No, it's not pretty. So it's black blood courses through yellow veins and the pale, the pale skin that's so you can see it. Hmm. You can see the muscles underneath that are visible and pulsating. Wait, it has two heads, you said. What's yes. the other head? I don't know. Oh, okay. Probably something similar like something a, a regular horse head i don't know maybe it's a <laughs> lamb i have no idea i'm only given what i'm told <laughs> i can only say i just I'm can't given. get over those really long arms no i know it's <laughs> i have this like just like dragging on the ground or something with some like little fin fins on the bottom <laughs> so the only entity able to control it is the Mithra of the Sea, an ancient spirit in Orcadian mythology who keeps the Nukalvi confined during summer months. 
the those months it doesn't come out knuckle like knuckles like our knuckles n-u-c-k-e-l-a-v-e I wonder if it's related to knuckle dragger. Oh, like because yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You tell us, listeners. All right, last one, last bit of how we welcome feedback on our inaccuracies and flaws. (laughs) (laughs) The Dulahan, probably saying that wrong, but I tried. Also called, you know, one's enough. Is a type of mythological (laughs) creature in Irish folklore. So he's depicted as a headless rider on a black horse. He carries his own head held high in his hand. Sounds familiar? Yeah. Oh, I think I talked about this on something. It is said to be the embodiment of the Celtic god Cromdub. No. The mouth is usually in a hideous grin that touches both sides of its head and its eyes are constantly moving around so it can see the countryside even Oh, it was when nights. I was talking about the history of Halloween. Yes, yes, that's yes. when there was a creature that was just like this. It was really that interesting held its own head. I kept thinking, like somebody connection. Somebody did talk. Somebody, about it. somebody did it. I even went and read the list. I never read the list, and it had to have been either me or you. I didn't want to keep doing it if it was someone already <laughs> did, and I just completely forgot, which is no, totally we're just, possible. We're just connecting all the dots. It was fun though. Doing. I went through the list. And I was like, oh yeah, that. Oh yeah. I, I don't even remember that. <laughs> Isn't it a good list? It's, it's a great list. Did and you see the one with the clickable links? So if you links? go to our website at deeplydisturbingthings.com, there is, and Naomi made this with her own. We do everything on our own, just by the way. like By our own blood, sweat, and tears. So she made an Excel sheet of every single podcast we've ever done with the specific topics and the name, and she linked it. So it'll take you right to that episode. Right to it. Bam. Because I don't like extra I don't, clicking. I don't even want to know how much time that took you to do. Because we have how many episodes now? What is this one? This is this is 149. 149. Yeah. It's a lot. With two topics per episode. Yeah. So it's we have over 300 topics at this point. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Sorry. Check out the spreadsheet. All right. But yes, this is connections. Connections. So it's believed to use the spine of a human corpse as a whip. And its wagon is adorned with funeral objects. It has candles and skulls that light the way. The spokes of the wheels are made from thigh bones. And the wagon's covering is made from worm-chewed, pale or dried human skin. I mean, it does sound kind of aesthetically pleasing. (laughs) If you're going with that thing. It was thoughtful with human parts. Use all the parts. Again, I'm watching a lot of cooking shows right now. Use the throwaways. Uh, it calls out the person's name, drawing away the soul of its victim, at which point the person immediately drops dead. Oh. So there are rumors that golden objects can actually force the Dolahan to disappear, oh. just in case you needed to know it. And I found a little t- tiddly bit. It's a common name for a headless warrior, predominantly knights. In Japanese video games and anime, the influence from this has resulted in Japanese young adult media commonly portraying Dolahans, which... Uh, with traits not associated with Irish folklore at all, but wearing um, like plate armor. So this kind of carried on and created its own thing that it, it isn't, <laughs> which is kind of tied to my last talk. Words. Words are interesting how they change over time and the meaning associated. Yes, for sure. That's definitely related to your last topic. Yeah. So I, I mean, and and now we're at a point where fairies have really been given a kinder look associated with nature and kindness 
um, or just frivolity. Made out of like flower petals. Yeah. They're they're very graceful. Like an acorn hat. Certainly not arms dragging across the ground (laughs) with your child skirts. Certainly not knuckle draggers. No. Um, and now the word fairy, if you were to ask most people, they would say Tinkerbell is probably there. Something cutesy. Yeah. It'd be more pixie like. Right. So that's my research on fairies and like the like real history around it that tied in with the whole witchcraft era, which I had no idea that, that those things were like intertwined. And in, it in makes that way. sense. It does. Like yeah. I read it, I'm like, oh wow. So I think the churches really wanted to lump everything that was Together. yeah. Well, and I think too beyond... it, we you know, it speaks to other, you know, Scottish um and uh you know Irish folklore too, where I think a lot of our stuff has been very um either American or you know British like type folklore, that sort of stuff. So this kind of speaks to that other side and how maybe politics and religion were also playing a role in these other cultures. Oh, a hundred percent. We're going to uh, switch gears here. I'm excited to switch gears. I kind of had an idea from your little hint earlier. I know I, I accidentally gave you a hint. I already forgot what the hint was. Okay. I won't remind you. Yeah, no, don't. Oh no. You like those chocolates? No, I'm just having one. Okay. There's nothing else here. This is mine. Sorry. Don't judge me. I still want them to have gris- crispy bits. Do you hear that train? You're so loud. That's my life. No, um, I have a train too right by my house. But yours is like a bad noise. Mine sounds like one it of those. It sounds like something. Mine sounds like a Harry Potter. Dragging song. on the track. Like there's definitely a rock in there. <laughs> there's a rock. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a whole series. Oh, God. Because I started researching something that's the worst train noise they're probably not even gonna be able to hear it sounds like a fairy grinding its teeth mm. you did you bring such, that into my room you have such big windows it's gonna fit his whole body in here damn it uh-huh. so i tried started looking into something and i'm like this is way more than one topic so i'm gonna do a series on ways we are controlled this is part one fairies the psychology of Check. shopping. Got a whole episode right there. Done. Go ahead. Sorry. Psychology <laughs> of shopping. Mm-hmm. Neuromarketing. It's a new field. Mm-hmm. And it's the science of how companies get our subconscious minds to buy stuff. Happened all the time. <laughs> this. So neuromarketing is neuroscience and marketing joining mm-hmm. forces. So people that are into neuromarketing are neuroscientists. Like, you know how I put them on a pedestal. They're badass. They are. I sucked off all the chocolate and now it's just like the gooey watermelon worm in my mouth. And Is it a, a worm? No. Does it turn into a worm? Oh, wow. It did, didn't it? <laughs> it turned into a little clear reddish worm. <laughs> Sorry. I like these. I'm a child. They are kind of gross, but I like them. See, you admit it. <laughs> no, but it's like good gross. Is it a texture thing though, right? Like the flavor is actually pretty good. It's a texture. It's, it's like a eating, texture. It's, it's like eating it's a caterpillar. It's really gushy. I'm eating a caterpillar. It's like um, between instars. You're interesting. Trader Joe's dark chocolate watermelon sticks. Eat along with us. It was an, oh, I almost said it. I almost ruined it again. Keep going. I'll get back to that. All right, go on. There was an experiment at a wine store. 
And it found my favorite type. If French music was playing, customers bought French wine three to one. I mean, it makes sense. If German music was playing, customers bought German wine three to one. Mm. When they were asked, over 90% of the shoppers said the music that was playing didn't influence their buying decisions at all. Did they know that it was German music or like, is there a difference? Yes, it's very different. Okay. Um, a lot more accordion in the German mm. music. I got, I yeah, I'm all about that accordion. A lot more. They're probably playing the chicken dance. And that is also probably very insulting to accordion players. So and um, Germans. Sorry, I, have, I know German music is a lot about a lot more than the chicken complex. dance. I own an accordion. And I play a little, and I know there's a lot more than the chicken dance, which probably wouldn't be my first reference, but that's fine. Go ahead. We apologize for our ignorance to all of our German We can just say, like, polka music? Uh, They weren't aware at all of the influence of the music. According to neuroscientist and neuromarketing expert Terry Wu, neuroscience has shown that over 95%, so most of our decisions by far, are made unconsciously. <gasps> also, without emotions, our decision-making is impaired. So as you know, we have our limbic system, our emotion brain. This is where love, compassion, optimism, anger, fear, guilt, anxiety, guilt, sadness, and more are all centered. People who have had strokes that affect this part of the brain have difficulty making decisions. So emotions are necessary for decision making. Look, it's a gooey duck. It's not squirting though. No. Oh, our Podbean patrons know. Every purchase involves decision making. Neuromarketing is the science of consumer decisions. Traditional marketing marketing has not paid attention to consumers unconscious experiences and this has created many failed and costly marketing decisions amazon must be great at this because they are amazon Mm -hmm. (laughs) created a one-tenth of a second faster speed improvement on their website and that increased sales by 1.7 billion i do need a fast click i'm not gonna wait for a load screen you kidding me we can't detect this difference consciously, but unconsciously mm. we notice it. Mm. And that um, improved customer experience generated more sales. Yeah, I think we talked about that before too, where like Amazon has the um, the buy now button. And like that doesn't really do anything. Like you still have to like do a couple things with that. No, quick- you don't. You, it's bought. Well. I've bought, a, I've done a lot can. of buy now shopping. All right. Yeah, my dad used my account, so I just switched. But yes, so when you do that, they actually like um, they had uh, uh, court battles over that because they what's the word copyrighted the ability to create a one click buy because that was so profitable for them. It works for me all the time. But I'll forget so I buy stuff and I'm like, what's this package in the mail? Me too. I sometimes what it's shameful. Like, oh gosh, I know whatever this is, I know I didn't need well, it. <laughs> there was an Amazon delivery right when you arrived. I and I felt shameful of being on your porch when he handed you your book. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I did it feels like a book. I didn't order a book. What is this? <laughs> Google uses neuromarketing. No surprise. So check out a Google ad link. 
like if you Google something, there's those ones that are ads. Google wants us to click on these links because every time we do, they make money. They researched whether a subtle change in the colors of these links could influence our clicking behavior. They studied 50 different shades of blue to find out which shade generated the most clicks. Bastards. When they adopted that color, their annual revenue increased by $200 million. <laughs> this is the power that. of neuromarketing. I can't be that on guard all the time. I just can't. My neuromarketing uses factors outside our conscious awareness to control our purchasing behaviors. So there's reality, and then there's our perceived reality. And there's a gap in between and neuromarketing capitalizes on this gap mm. to control our behavior kind of because like our... so much of it mm -hmm. is unconscious. Well, and I wonder if it's playing off of, uh, we had a previous talk about a uh, left brain, right brain. Um, you know, it's maybe the right brain just running with it. Could be damn right brain. Gets in there when Spending I'm Spending my money. That's <laughs> right brain. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, fairies. Change links. Wasn't me. There is. <laughs> One study looked at the sales of cookies in two different jars. One jar was filled to the top and the other jar was kept almost empty. The cookies in the almost empty jar sold way more than the other cookies, even though they're the exact same cookies. Oh, it's like this. I didn't want any when you first opened the bag and then you started eating them and then I had to eat the gooey worms. Because I was enjoying it. Customers perceive the cookies with just a few left as more desirable. If something is wanted by more people, we tend to think it is good. Decisions mm -hmm. create uncertainty. So decision-making oh, yeah. naturally creates uncertainty. And we and naturally stress. don't like decision-making. Well, yeah, because it creates this uncertainty and stress. So we feel safer following the decision made by the crowd. Mm -hmm. This is a natural bias in our brains. Well, and they, they teach us over time to, to do that with like reviews and stars and like they they guide you to this idea. And I'm just ranting here. They guide you to this idea that that is what you look at to get a good deal to make sure you're not getting gypped to know what you're doing yeah it makes you feel because informed. We, we don't know what we're doing right. and we don't like that well, we want to know what we're doing when you're looking at something and then there's 150 at least different versions of it and then they say here look look at these ratings look at these stars look we've ranked them for you it's like oh great i'll, I'll just look at these top three exactly and it's already been narrowed and it's one, already, of, and one yes. of them is amazon we're product. being spoon-fed sometimes i appreciate it Amazon uses this bias with their star rating, their mm. bestseller ratings, and numbers of reviews. But the problem is a lot of um, products pay for reviews. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we for can't sure. even count on those as being legitimate. Now, sometimes I read them and I'm like, like this doesn't sound like a real person. Because <laughs> even like you can tell a real person when they're just like, I like really love this. And they share like a thing about it or a picture of it. It's like very, okay, good. Doesn't mean they weren't paid to do that. Don't get me wrong. Versus right. like, I'm you know, sure like, savvy companies are like learning how to make yeah. it seem like a legitimate review. Well, remember that computer software, that AI software I showed you where it like comes up with like descriptions. And yeah. Things? Like I'm, it exists. So there's definitely AI software out there to create the best responses. I'm sure. Yes. We perceive all of this information on Amazon before we see the price. They've done so much studies on how to set up a product 
ad on their on mm-hmm. their site. So we see the stars, we see all that, and then we see the price. So we're already mostly in. Yeah, and you point. see the picture out. The way that they do the photo too, I was thinking about this yesterday of like, it's really interesting because it's like just the product, that one picture and like a very appealing, but there's something, there's just something about it. That's like that, that like, I don't have the anxiety that I do when I go in a store. I'm like, I don't really need this. And I just like (laughs) anxiously put it back before I end up checking out. Like, I don't have that feeling. It feels safe. Nobody's looking at me. I can have as much as I want in my cart. The false sense of security of online shopping. I can shamelessly buy whatever I want and no one will judge me. But it's all being directed. Your delivery person may. That did, he did look at you in a way. No, I. There was a look. I told you I didn't like the way he was looking at me. I told you that. And I didn't know fully what you meant because I was trying to avoid all eye contact for people. (laughs) And it felt weird because he started walking up the steps and I think he was going to hand it to me. And I, I'm like, rang the doorbell, like, no, you kept pointing at me and backing away. I know. I was like, doing, you could just take it, Macy. I don't know. He didn't even say grab anything. the package. He didn't even say anything. At you made point. it way more awkward than it needed to be. Could have just grabbed the package. You no. were between me and him. You purposely like backed away while pointing at me. I was having a lot of anxiety in that moment. I was like, I don't want him to. I'm like, I'm not the owner. I won't. Don't worry. I won't take someone else's package. I had a lot processing and making it way more complicated than it needed to be. I'm like, Macy, just grab the fucking package. Not mine, hers. <laughs> it's not mine, I swear. You made me come all the way out and down the steps. <laughs> Why would I take it? It's not mine. He saw me push the doorbell. Obviously, I'm not the owner of the home. I am a robber. Did he tackle me? How does that work? As we said, we are two anxious counselors. <laughs> oh, man. So, Amazon incorporates many neuromarketing techniques, techniques. So, this is a new field, but is really quickly growing. Prince Gooman and Matt Johnson wrote a book called Blindsight. Gooman? That might not be how you pronounce it. I just like it. Um, It's a good book. I've read it. And it's about how, really how companies, you know, tailor their marketing to the human brain. We make a lot of our decisions subconsciously. And companies Mm -hmm. are really trying to capitalize on this. As we discussed in our split brain episode, we think we're the author of our decisions, but study after study shows we're oh. totally irrational and unaware of the factors influencing our choices. Oh my gosh, Amazon knows everything. I just got I just got an ad for a fake plastic hand. And I've been like going back and forth about buying this fake plastic hand for six dollars and forty. Is it so you can stab it and make me think you're stabbing my hand? Yes, it was. <laughs> it's like I can do the real experience. You can do it. <laughs> like I, again, it's it's always listening. It knows. It knows because we. It knows. No, it's always. Why listening. is it giving me a plastic hand? Like when is that ever relevant? <laughs> I have not been marketed a plastic hand until I just said that now, and now I will. Let me know. Let me know. I'm curious. I'll let you know happens. as soon as a plastic hand shows I up in my feed. I haven't bought it yet, but I've been really <laughs> grappling with it. It is. It's like my logic brain is like, no, Macy. I used to have one in the garage. I think I got rid of it finally. From like a Halloween thing yeah. or something. I just like, I'm like, I used to fill the that. coffin with like different plastic body parts. Oh, that makes sense. Just to oh, make yeah. it more fun. By the way, she has a coffin. <laughs> By the way. Because she's a vampire fairy. Clearly. <laughs> Um, changeling (laughs) neuromarketing researchers study people's brains 
and really determine how we make our decisions. And our brains don't lie. Like our, our little itty bitty conscious brain tries to make sense of everything and rationalize things it and, try so and give reasons, but it doesn't know what it's talking it's about. Just a little guy. <laughs> For example, when adults were asked how they felt about Cheetos, how do you feel about Cheetos? I really like the idea of Cheetos. I'm an intellectualist. I really like the idea of Cheetos. No, this Cheetos is that little crunch. tiny conscious brain at yeah, work right now. They have now. a good little crunch. I like them. Um, but I do often stop eating them very quickly after I get them, where I'm like, oh, this wasn't Why? as good as I remember. <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, because of flavor. I'm I just but you do buy them initially for some reason. I mean, right? I don't buy Cheetos. Okay. So adults were asked how they felt about, about Cheetos. Okay, I never think about Cheetos. So. <laughs> I do prefer the fiery Cheetos, but then I always regret what they do to my insides. <laughs> so these adults in this study said they thought it was like a kid's snack. But it turned out people really got excited about getting their fingers messy with the orange powder. <laughs> it does. stains your fingers. There was something subversive. Ooh. about getting the orange dust on people's fingers and their brains really lit up when oh. when that was happening the same thing happens with cocaine so nobody was face. admitting it <laughs> but the brains don't lie the brains were lighting up about yeah, this yeah, orange yeah, yeah, yeah. dust people enjoyed it even though they didn't think it was respectable to have your fingers orange oh my gosh okay slight tangent i watched a show on vice last night that was about like this new drug that they were making that's like a combination of a tons of tons of drugs and it's really really dangerous and harmful for you and not really better than anything else just more dangerous but they made it pink so it's like this pink powder and because it's pink everybody like See, it's, it's the, the same newest kind thing of stuff. and everybody because it's party scene type stuff so they love the pink powder and they'll yeah. pay the, why wouldn't you they'll rec- like i want the toxic stuff yeah it's crazy it's this the same it's neuromarketing it's drugs it's all drugs it's cheeto drugs Frito, like tagline frito lay took cheeto. this these findings and they built an entire ad campaign around this feeling of subversive pleasure with the orange fingers and it was super financially successful people people lick their fingers to get get it off right and then their fingers or wipe it on something i think their ad that like rolling showed somebody like (laughs) wiping it on like white clothes (gasps) that's like asmr level stuff (laughs) subversive pleasure i'm looking at the cheeto slogan i don't I don't know what it is. More and more businesses are investing in neuromarketing research and they use the information to get us, me and Macy and you, to buy more shit. Damn, it works. <laughs> um, so Cheeto slogans here, cheese that goes crunch. Okay. Cheese are. <laughs> and uh it ain't easy being cheesy that's what i was trying to remember mm. yeah, yeah yeah yeah. i remember that one mm-hmm. so when we go into a brick and mortar store stores purposefully attempt to wear us down oh yeah because our brains have our two different systems we have our fast unconscious automatic system our, our emotion, you know, downstairs brain. 
And then we have our other system, like our prefrontal cortex system. It's conscious, it deliberates, but it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of resources to run that part of the brain. Gosh. So the stores don't want you to use on you use that system. They want you to be more system one oriented. Is that why milk and eggs are in the back? (laughs) Probably fast unconscious automatic emotional Mm -hmm. and they get you into that state by wearing you down by the time you get to the checkout stand you're exhausted totally so i hate shopping when we're tired or hungry we're more likely to go with the impulsive system one response totally that's why at the end of your shopping trip you're tempted with loads of things you don't need so here we come back to our traders joe's dark chocolate watermelon sticks watermelon slug i 100 percent did not go to trader joe's seeking to purchase dark chocolate watermelon sticks that you then tried to sell to me as a good treat but these were right at the end of the checkout stand Mm. right there on display and i i looked at them and i was like "Ooh, i like dark chocolate i like watermelon and no. I bought them. So that makes me think of like grocery stores because I have like three big main authors I really like. And they always have like four books oh, up yes. there. And Dean Koontz is my bro. If there's a new <laughs> Dean Koontz book and they have it sitting there, I will grab it and I will buy it 100% because I feel like I have to. It's right there. And I'm like, oh. Like I'm almost leaving. I need to get it. Everything by the check stand. More expensive than if I just bought it online. Yes. So those are the impulse buys and they really tap into. Trickery to my emotions. Our part of the brain that is not going to be deliberating that decision. I think purposefully. I think we need to redo education altogether. Can we just like clean slate it? (laughs) I mean, let's be real. What we have isn't applicable anymore can we please start over i need to know about market economics i need neuromarketing neuromarketing i need to know about mental health i need to know like there's so much shit that kids don't learn about that they need to know and maybe less about columbus who cares I mean, why do I know the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria by heart? Why is that (laughs) the thing that I know the best? It's fucked up. It's really bad. Why? I should not know that. No, you shouldn't. (laughs) And honestly, like, oh, like, how about having a class about, you know, your I'm just going to say it. We're so upset that there's school shootings and, and these kids who are maladjusted, but Okay, how about having a class about social connection, making friends, <laughs> supporting, how about just support schools uh, extracurriculars instead of cutting things like music and sports programs? Yeah, yeah, no, no, we don't put it, not nearly enough money into education in this country. And teach them the things that we need to know to succeed instead Teers, of just being Teachers should be high income jobs. A hundred percent. Not something that it's, you're suffering but you do because you have passion which is so sad i have teacher friends and it's their passion drives that i know counselors in a similar boat too but it's like your passion only gets you so far especially if you don't get to choose what you're teaching you can't eat passion but you can eat some dark chocolate watermelon sticks available to you by trader joe's in a shiny pink bag i wonder if that's what got you oh it might have been it is like actually a, yeah it is like shiny and it's kind i of would flashy. wear a jumpsuit made out of this material. yeah it looks like clothes you would wear <laughs> <laughs> but i 
probably and honestly subconsciously notice that and not only you know, now consciously seeing that and you know it's really interesting to me knowing you is that you're very I mean, you're a very healthy person. You are but pay attention to what you eat. So no, the fact it's because it said watermelon. watermelon. No, I'm no, like, no. oh, it's basically a fruit. Well, remember when I said I <laughs> took a bite and I expected it to just actually be watermelon? Yeah. But it's a gummy. If it said watermelon gummy candies, you would not have bought that. No, I would not have bought but that. But Trader Joe's knows that they're marketing to a bunch of, you know, hippies. Pseudo health people. That aka pseudo health people that <laughs> would buy a dark chocolate watermelon stick right because not a, that's totally different i mean in my mind yummy chocolate watermelon gummy no in my mind i was picturing a fresh slice of watermelon dipped in that's chocolate. what i pictured too because i trusted you i trusted you as a peer rating it and then oh, you, and then i ate it it I'm was sorry candy. it was I've clickbait eaten, i've eaten a bunch of candy now and now i'm all hyped up and then not necessarily a bad thing so <laughs> debatable i i read this book blindside a while back mm-hmm. um i'll loan it to you if you want it's really good yeah i'm actually doing another topic about a different area of this book later um so we don't understand what price means no our brains don't understand we have to have a price in relation to another price totally fed to us so that we understand what we're paying for what that means like can, human brains don't understand what 15 dollars means hey remember when i made fun of people with electric bikes now i've been looking up electric bikes <laughs> and it is true so this is the thing i know nothing about so i've been comparing and watching videos and like trying to are you getting a fucking electric bike i will make fun of you <laughs> i might i don't know i don't know now i'm gonna second guess it. i'm gonna be like what are my actual motivations Will I ever ride this electric bike? Or did I see an ad that's being influenced by Amazon? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to think about it now. Thanks. See? Make sure you're in your top brain. If I buy them and you make, or if I buy it and you make fun of me, I'm just going to make fun of you for watermelon dark chocolate sticks. And I'm fine with that because Great. I'm making fun of myself. That's fine. So say you walk into a store and you just see a bottle of wine for $15. Mm-hmm. So our brains through neuroscience, we know that we don't automatically know if this is a lot or not. Mm. So we, our brain starts to look for some context. $69. This is a great. Exactly. (laughs) Because we need to be able to have context to make sense of the information. Mm. I know. I know. Look for screw caps. We have to sample reality. So the store is going to give you reality to latch onto by placing a second bottle next Mm. to it. That costs more. So now mm. your brain thinks, well, in comparison, $15 is a good deal. Trickery. So you're going to be more likely to buy that. So our brains are constantly looking for, for uh, anchors to create reality for mm-hmm. us. Because remember, there's that gap between actual external reality and our perceived reality and this is where all the companies jump into that gap yokes totally does that because at the end of if you notice at the end of the aisle is where they have like i learned that's called a capstone oh, or an end cap something end, like that something like a yeah cap, <laughs> which a nightcap is alcohol at the end of the night right it's something to <laughs> yes yes ease the ease the flow of whatever ease us into dreamland right fairyland <laughs> <laughs> but they do that and i've seen that where it's like a fairly what i would say affordable thing but again i only know that because then they have the much higher price thing up yeah, here yeah visible and it's like oh 
Well, you know, it's interesting. Research have shown time and time again that when we're given three price points, we're going to choose the middle one. Oh, yeah. And I always that do sense. that. I'm like, I don't want to be a cheap bass. That one's probably <laughs> a pile of garbage, but I don't want to overpay for something well, that's, you know, we, overhyped. I'm going to go with the middle. And we do where that it's for good, gifts, but a good deal. Gifts too. Cause we're like, uh, well, I don't want to buy the cheap one, but I'm <laughs> definitely not buying that. I don't one. like them that much. I like them this much. I like Context. them middle. I like the middle much. Yep. And it doesn't matter what the product is because no. they've done research where they take the product and put it at the bottom or the top. It's all, yeah. it goes on price point. I mean, I'm, we need that context to make meaning of our, about our purchase. Image based too. So I'm, I'm either all the way over here on image of like, if there's a really cool thing, go for it. Or if it's so minimal, but like medium range, I almost feel like I'm getting a deal on something classy. <laughs> But I have to say, I've been to Italy and France and while there, like their wine is super affordable. And when I was in, um, what was the last place I was in, I, when I was in Spain, their beers is the same, beer and wine is the same price as water. So it really amazed me, like this amazing wine that I had there, super cheap that you come here and it's like labeled expensive because it's Italian. It's like, well, that's it's an import, but that's their table wine. Like that's what <laughs> they just like keep pouring you to keep you eating their food. Yeah, exactly. Don't believe the labels. Yeah. So we need context to know what a price means. We don't innately understand our brains don't understand what price means. It understands very little. To be Under, very little. You point me in a direction. In 1957, James Vickery claimed to have exposed moviegoers to brief messages about popcorn and Coca-Cola during a film hearing about this, yeah. and stated that it increased sales. It didn't. He later admitted that the experiment mm -hmm. was fraudulent and that such subliminal advertising was ineffective. However, yes. countries, most countries have made subliminal marketing messages like this illegal. Hmm. The U.S. does not expressly forbid the use of subliminal messages and advertisements. they all about it. I've seen it. Though their use, the use of subliminal messaging does fall under federal law enforcement jurisdiction. So that means they can be choosy about when they want to step in and when they don't. Aww, that's always hard. This takes me back to fracking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Since subliminal messaging is Can I just questionable, say, yeah. fracking came up in a conversation. Okay, and here's the deal: is I was like, "What was oh. the deal?" Well, it just like came up talking about like in real life connections. Well, and I was I said something like I actually had a there was a podcast topic about it recently. I feel like I know much more about it now. And then the response was, "Well, yeah, and it's actually not as bad as everyone has brought it up to be." And I I instantly went, "Why?" <laughs> And it was like, well, they just use water. And I was like, no, they don't. <laughs> actually, they get away with that with a loophole. <laughs> you I felt able, like you're informed. I was able to actually talk about it. Oh my it. God, I love that. I and I mean, it made people angry. But can I just say, like, it felt good to, like, hold on here. And, like, you saw that lady lighting her faucet water on fire in her kitchen with a match. I did. And I even referenced that. And the response was, well, that can come up for a variety of reasons. And then my response was... <laughs> has never come up for me my, under any reason my response was still not okay <laughs> not okay ever not okay and i'll just say that if it was 
a fracking place got put right by my land, I would be livid. So I don't give a crap what you think about it. I yeah, think it's yeah. not okay. Wait till you're personally impacted and yes. then come back to the Right, combo. I'm not making any money off this shit. That's right. But I care. Uh-uh. Sorry. No, I love that. It's so hot in here. Subliminal. And you notice I opened the window, but uh, I didn't open the storm window. Oh. <laughs> so it's not actually open. I'm actually looking at that. I was wondering if that was because of my fairy topic of fitting your arm. No, it's just because I didn't. Do you want, um, do you want to open? I feel like I, I'm going to have a heat stroke in, in like oddly cool weather. It's cool, it's but just, it's, it's, ah! it hasn't gone. Oh above. my God, you did something to the mic. Oh, you unplugged oh, it. I fixed. It hasn't. <laughs> oh, my poop box. Oh, yes. She's using her poop box, which. By the way, she still has. Well, okay, wait. No, it's second poop. Sorry, second poop. They returned her other okay, poop. Okay, you explain that after poop. They returned her other poop and said it was insufficient poop. Not return Not quality wise. They just said, wait, not, no, no, not quantity wise. She had plenty of poops to send. Sorry, she's in the bathroom right now as we talk about poops. So she sent plenty, but they said the quality was of poorness. So they sent back her poops. And she has a new box to poop in. And it looks like she's already pooped in it. And now she's using it as a window holder. So I hope that's a very strong box or we're going to have poop everywhere. And I hope the quality is better. I'm curious about what makes poor quality poops. Um, like, was it perhaps too much spicy food or like curry, perhaps? Maybe even um, like burritos, tacos, salsa spiciness maybe negates the quality of the poop i'm not talking shit about your shit she's yelling from the bathroom i'm getting in trouble nuh-uh um or perhaps she eats too healthy where it's like this is basically grass you're a deer <laughs> my fecal matter i can hear you did you hear my 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 poop is high quality <laughs> it wasn't a quality issue so, no 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 it it's was either pause i've already decided it's either <laughs> spicy foods or you eat too healthy and you're a deer <laughs> i was not pooping pellets if that's what you're wondering pew, 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 pew. it's just i shipped it on a sunday you have to ship same day oh so you they got you sent them like rotting it shit. was too old <laughs> my that. poop was too old That's it was a growth it has to be same day like there's a line of medical excrement to you shit in a bag on their porch <laughs> i went through a lot to send mailman. the original sample could you imagine no that no challenge? no i have to here's what i have to do <laughs> i had to put on a disguise <laughs> Does it say poop box on it? Yeah, you've seen the box. It says human sample or something on it. (laughs) It could be. I had to have dead baby. (laughs) I had to hand deliver this to UPS. Just write fairy baby. And I knew they knew what I knew. And it was a whole thing. They didn't want to touch it, did they? Did they put gloves on? And now I have to do it again. I have to go through that whole thing again. Sorry. And they knew because they were like, this isn't going to get shipped out till tomorrow. Is that okay? And I was like, yes, that's okay. Because I just and wanted to get out of there. That poor lady's like, I just want to get out of here. Fine. <laughs> so I just left, but apparently it wasn't okay. So now I have to go through that whole thing again. Your poop melted. Uh, okay. 
since subliminal messaging is questionable in the US, companies hide them in plain sight. For example, literally every watch ad, like an ad for watches, has the time set to 10 past 10 because it makes the watch look like it's smiling at you. Hmm. These kinds of subtle hints are called primers. I do know quite a bit about this side of it because I took I a... want you to look at this ad for Benson and Hedges cigarettes mm. from the 70s. Okay. Do you notice anything? Mm -hmm. And listeners, play along at home. Google 1970s Benson and Hedges cigarette ad uh -huh. and see what you see. So the um, tagline is, if you got crushed in the clinch with your soft pack, try our hard pack. Okay. Um, well, first. So already all, a little sexual. Yeah, I mean, he's holding a woman. He's making the "I have a boner" face. Okay. So what do you see? What do I see? Yeah. Because um, your subconscious mind is picking up something, but your conscious mind hasn't grasped it yet. But once your conscious I'm mind really sees it, you're never going to be able to unsee it. Is she a cigarette? No. Oh, what is his left hand dress? holding on her back? I can't tell. Is it a cigarette? No. What is his left hand holding on her back? On his left hand. What is he grabbing with his hand and holding on her back right there? It's about seven inches long. Oh, is it a pack of cigarettes? Yeah. No, it's a penis. Wait, hold on, hold on. Look right there. Oh, yeah. Now there's a penis. <laughs> a penis is not a natural part of a woman's back. No. And now that you've seen the penis, can you ever unsee that penis? No, he's definitely jacking off her back penis. Yes. Gross. And he's and he's making the face of I'm touching it. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird for him to do. It seems like. Well, it's like, I think it's supposed to be an extension of his peen. Yeah. And he's like, I'm ready with my hard pack. Yeah. Holding it. So everybody look that up. Gross. Yeah, look at his hand and then think penis and you'll but see. But it's it. interesting that you picked it up subconsciously before you saw it consciously well yeah 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 Definitely. i mean that's a full-on penis in an ad yeah he's like whole hand in that yeah whole hand whole hand in it whole hand in that Whew. can i go get another yeah th there's one of these in the fridgey or if you want Did red you on the fridgey that's adorable <laughs> on the counter there's red yeah, that's because you're cause... if you want more red on the counter there's two choices okay I love having choices that don't have prices attached. You just say red or rainbow. Red or rainbow. Rainbow in the fridge, red on the counter. Because people, please do not refrigerate your red wine. It's not okay. At least 70% of our purchase decisions are made in store. So we buy things we don't plan to buy, like dark chocolate watermelon sticks. Is this why? Sorry. All right, I'm back. Is this why I... Is this why... Wait. Okay. Is this why um why I put things in the cart and then I stress put them back because my logic brain's like yes, you you're don't, battling. You don't actually need this. Put it back. You're battling between upstairs and downstairs brain. Right. No, I'm saying right brain, left brain, the true battle. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I mean yeah, it's always my bottom brain let, running things. Let's get in the <laughs> octagon. Consumers shop subconsciously going about our usual routine. So if we just go into a store, it's almost all unconscious and retailers love this. Mm -hmm. They want us in unconscious brain mode because that's that impulsive emotional br brain mode. 
So they really work on controlling us subconsciously. So they don't like it when we have that, like right now. The they don't one, like it when we have a shopping list. The one thing I need is cat food. Yeah, no, they don't like that. They're going to try to get me to buy at least 10 things out of my one thing of yes. cat food, which may plausibly happen. How many times have you ever gone in for one thing and just left with one thing? Only from Walgreens because they're fairly expensive and I get upset. No, I would agree with Walgreens or Rite Aid. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. just go in for my it's one something thing. Something like out. I'm here and I need one thing and I'm leaving. Yes. It's, but if I go into a grocery store, it's almost like a well, because I'm here, I may as well. Yeah. Oh, and malls are even worse. I They're designed to be overstimulating and overwhelming. I mean, ours are just sad. <laughs> or sad <laughs> honestly so they're not that overwhelming or stimulating to me <laughs> so i just avoid them in general the average time a consumer will spend to find an item on a shelf is 50 seconds mm. there's so much research behind this after 50 seconds if the consumer doesn't find it they're going to walk away so retailers do not want you to walk away they want you to be able to find an item to buy mm-hmm. and i've been that way too where i'm walking around i'm like fuck it i'm i'm leaving i'm not buying the thing do you, you know, know what will also amp that up for me if someone else is in my near vicinity oh, trying to they're in your way the, yeah or they're like looking like they're just like in the space and i'm like i just i can't and then i'll leave and odds are i'll forget about that one thing yes exactly exactly it. because mm-hmm. you didn't really need it i mean the peanut butter seemed important at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so Say we want to purchase some dry shampoo because we don't shower all the time because it's bad for your hair. A typical big box supermarket or drugstore will have a whole aisle of shampoos, but maybe only five or 10% are dry shampoo. Yeah. So a consumer is not going to look at every single thing, right? We're not going to take the time. We need to be able to hone in on what we're looking for in that aisle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the stores need to determine how they want us as consumers to spend our 50 seconds before we're like done and we bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they work to get the right product in front of us, but they also need to guide us away from other products so our time isn't wasted. So the sooner we find our dry shampoo, what we want, the more likely we're going to also have the space to make other purchases Mm -hmm. so studies show that if consumers find our product in less than the 50 seconds like say it only takes us 20 seconds to Mm -hmm. find our dry shampoo we're going to use that leftover 30 seconds to buy something else in the area so stores place related impulse relate buy products nearby so like Mm -hmm. I get my dry shampoo and then suddenly I'm like, oh, oh I did need ponytails. Do you know what this really reminds me of? So I'm thinking of Walgreens again here in yeah. this example or Rite Aid, but like they they have like your essential stuff and they always have that like Burt's Bees section. <gasps> the damn right? Burt's Bees because where you're like, I am. It's yes. but there's some sort of like social thing that I feel like I should like. For, well, you for feel people. like you're a healthy person, right. like contributing like, let somehow. Me get a, yeah, let me get this healthy one. But it's like the thing I wanted was right there. And I chose either I got that and then I bought something else or I'm like, oh, look, it's only a dollar more to get the healthy thing. You yes. know, like really how healthy, like, what does that mean? Even? So considering your 50 seconds, that means you found the thing you're looking for in mm-hmm. under 50 seconds. So mm-hmm. you had a little leftover time mm-hmm. to look None around. None of my time is left over. Stores also use a technique called vertical blocking. The up and down so part. Imagine 
you're trying to find me in a crowd of people. You're not going to hone in on every face. You're going to like scan faces yeah looking for certain features everything's going to really be a blur but I'm you're five, looking for certain I'm features five four. i'm not going to see you let's be real so i don't even try that i just like hopefully she'll find me <laughs> so psychology says people do the same when scanning shelves we scan shelves up and down with a range that's at most four feet wide that makes sense so yeah. we don't scan back that and so stores practice vertical blocking to align merchandise in four foot wide rectangles mm. but they also use our peripheral vision so we sense objects about 30 degrees on either side in addition to what's in front of us so even though the displays don't move to alert our peripheral vision our natural reaction is just to kind of keep turning our head slightly mm -hmm. back and forth to the left and the right and we'll scan until we hit a barrier that the store is intentionally like put up the aisle like the aisles now there or or like, like switches to a completely different product yeah, or yeah. color or something that's called book ending mm -hmm. so they control our scanning area field division i feel so controlled i hate it i feel like i have a hand up my ass and i'm a puppet well and that's the thing like on, i think online shopping makes people feel like there's more freedom because there's more product but that doesn't mean that you have more control no absolutely you probably have less control of what you see yeah actually yep, just yep. to just to reference our own podcast right like we discovered that about uh advertising so you can advertise and all that means is it puts your name in front of people's faces more yeah. people more people who see you are more people who follow you which makes sense it does make sense but when there's so many products out there so many podcasts like that just is how it has to go you have to either be in front of people or you don't get picked you have to use marketing we're a slave to the grind so stores purposely display items to get the products in our awareness so we'll buy them um so they do so use the aisle end caps Everything on an end cap sells well because not only is it easy to access, but it's already the perfect vertical block because mm -hmm. it's the right width and uses our peripheral vision. That's where like Lowe's or Home Depot, they tend to put their like tool, like their sales on the end, which, you know, how much of a sale is that really? Like, are they just luring you into here's the stuff we're trying to get rid of? Yeah, yeah. But, you're, but you may be paying similar prices anyways. It just looks appealing. I feel like my cognitive uh, powers and energies, I want them to be astute, geared towards things that are important to me. Do we even know what that really means? Well, I would not want them to be making cognitive maps of stores which is Gosh. what happens. No, that's so true. Like here's <laughs> like if I go to a different city and I go into a store that has a different like same store but different layout, that really throws me it off. It throws you. Yes. We create cognitive maps of where we think things belong in a store. Mm. And it's usually based on a mixture of our actual experience at similar stores or some best guesses. So we expect all frozen food to be in one section. That would be called a natural grouping. So stores understand that we have these cognitive maps. So when they're going to introduce new products, they're going to consider that the product will fit in 
with a natural grouping and put it there. So it's a frozen food. They'll put it with frozen foods. The shampoo, they'll put it with other shampoos. But they may also consider that the product complements another item and create mm-hmm. an adjacent grouping. So that makes sense with, and it's annoying sometimes because mm-hmm. often stores have like the milk, cheese, and eggs nearby each other. But other stores will have cheese aisle next to wine because cheese and wine. Ah, that brings me to number three. If a product fits into two natural groupings, it's placed in both locations. Mm. For example, do refried beans belong with the canned goods or the Mexican food section? So this is called dual positioning Mm. and it'll garner garner sales from consumers with different Mm -hmm. cognitive maps. So I've found that at stores, like there's a health section, but they'll also throw health stuff in sporadically, mm-hmm. sprinkle it in throughout the store next to other items. Yeah. So it can be difficult to find what I'm looking for. Yeah. So some stores, like we have Rosars and Huckleberries, mm-hmm. like when they first started adding the Huckleberry section to Rosars, mm-hmm. it was all one aisle, but then so you just know like all your health yeah. shit's going to be in one aisle where they like made the floor <laughs> look different. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, a yeah. fake wood floor. No, yeah, you like you're suddenly like too, in this like... another land. Oh, it's so natural. <laughs> they have their own freezer. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yokes does that too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But Fred Meyer mm-hmm. puts the health food in the area of that item. They don't have a separate health mm-hmm. area. Like it's going to be in that spot which I don't know which is better to be honest <laughs> I mean it's, it's something too like Yokes has the uh kombucha spouts on the end yeah like, to be like hello people who drink kombucha we're over here come here come here food down this road <laughs> I love kombucha and I drinking it so love it I'm as not, well I'm not dissing but you definitely got Nile <laughs> <laughs> but it does attract you it's like don't oh, worry. There is a fast food. There is like a chip and cookie aisle too. So don't get me wrong and <laughs> don't get it twisted. I go to both. <laughs> so stores understand that we may need to rebuild our cognitive maps at times, but it can impact sales. Yeah. I can imagine like when they do like new, like layouts, like Fred Meyer did that once. And I I don't think I went to Fred Meyer as much after that happened, actually, now that I think about it. When they started putting the health stuff everywhere, yeah, sprinkling it, was, it in? Well, maybe not since health. I don't think I can call that out specifically, but like growing up, it was always one layout. And then mm. it was like young adulthood, they changed, like they moved things around. And I just honestly stopped going as much. Oh. I don't know if it's correlated. It just maybe, you know. I love me a Fred Myers, but I think that's because I lived in Portland for a time. I, I and that's the main store there. It's the main store on the north side, so that's probably why too. Because <laughs> uh, by Colbert, that's like the big thing. Colbert by Cattails, the zoological place for cats. It's a it's a place you can hear lions and it's tigers. A, it's a place. So getting back to our dark chocolate watermelon sticks. Okay, wait, I just need to know, did you intentionally bring those as part of this topic? No. Oh, I just shamed you publicly. I'm sorry. No, after after I offered them to you, I realized (laughs) like, oh, this totally ties into my topic. No, and I love the fact that you, so we have kind of a, like a deal. I drive. Do we have a deal? We do. No, you know of it. Don't worry. (laughs) 
you're in the know that I drive out here and you buy the wine. Yes, I feed and wine you. For the the transport and the gas. And I appreciate that because I don't have to go to the store and make no, a last you don't have minute to decision think about anything. Because I overthink things and I will, and it's very stressful. So I appreciate that you take the subliminal messaging hit for me. I take the hits. You buy what we like, which is helpful. So getting back to impulse buying. Why Let's do we back. buy things we didn't plan to buy? So stores have this trick to get us to spend money mm-hmm. more money because we've already got our cart full and then we go to, to the checkout stand costco is so bad for this and they want us to spend more money on things we don't actually need mm-hmm. so these are the things we did not go to the store for like i said i did not go to trader joe's to get dark chocolate watermelon sticks 100 percent. With, with no real watermelon believe it or not can i see that bag real quick actually before i make that statement is there a real watermelon i'm curious there's a real watermelon picture on that shiny pink vinyl packaging. Yeah, you're having to look too far. Ingredients right here. Yeah, I know. I read that. It's our watermelon. Dark chocolate, sugar, unsweetened chocolate, cocoa butter, soy, lecithin, natural vanilla, milk fat, tapioca syrup, sugar, dextrose, fruit pectin, citric acid, natural flavors, trisodium, citric, may contain, no, contains milk and soy, may contain traces of egg. I didn't hear the word watermelon in there. Store it in a cool, dry place because that shit's gonna melt. <laughs> I did not like your poops. Hear the word watermelon. <laughs> we stopped talking about my poops. My poops are just fine. Quality poops. Hey, I, I have high quality poops. Dude, I had a GI issue for the last two years. I'm not one to talk about poop qualities, but I would like to say I'm cured magically. It's great. Oh, that's great. It's wonderful. I'm, I don't have a, my no poops are why. no problem. I'm I'm great with pooping. It was I just was a horrible. timing issue. It would make me cry. I'm a. I, it just went away. Happy Spain. I went to Spain Let's and then I came back. Knock on wood. Continued healthy poops. If you don't have healthy poops, like I hear, I feel you. It's rough. Hmm. But yeah, I've never wanted to poop Macy's myself so bad you. to make the pain go away. Oh, like wow. it's so. I like that's a desperate place to be. I that's gotta a desperate say, place to let's be. just humanize and normalize that fact that people got poop problems sometimes. Well, it's got to come out. Well, but when it can't, then it's painful. No, I know. That's and then I mean. and then it does, and there's yeah. I got really constipated <laughs> when I was pregnant with my first child. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Go on like really constipated like it'd been oh, a while and yeah. i went in and um the midwife offered to put her finger up my butt to offered. like make oh, it happen so like you're okay yeah and i declined <laughs> i i mean i gotta say i've been at point because like with my gi issues it was i was um, too young and immature and i'm like no no thank you would, i will just go home and suffer alone it would go between like where you're constipated and then you like, so the fact that you can't causes problems because you have to, and you can't. And then that's where the pain comes from. And like, it's so horrible. And I would love a woman to stick her finger on my butt if that made it better. Um, I had tried laxatives, all those things. And laxatives are painful too, by the way. Like they're not fun to use in case you were curious. They're not, mm. but they sometimes work in a bind. A bind. <laughs> it's a bind. I just I feel it's important that we talk about normal human things. Oh well, yeah, no, yeah. In the middle of your topic, go on. No, it's great. <laughs> I like to sprinkle. What was I talking about? I don't know. Poops. No, I was not talking about poops. That's the thing. 
I somehow brought it back to poops. You always, because we have a giant poop box in front of us in the window. Talk about subliminal messaging. I know, you can't get. sitting directly across from your poop box. You can't get my Cologuard box out of your mind. I've pictured your poop in it already. It's happened. It happened like 20 minutes ago. that is an unopened box. Oh, that's the new one? Wait, isn't my shit is just sitting in the room on the window? I mentioned while you were in the bathroom that I (laughs) hope it's a a strong box so it didn't squish the poop out. No, today is Sunday. I'm not going to make the mistake of pooping on Sunday again. Don't poop on Sunday. That's what I did before. Don't follow our advice. We already covered that earlier. And it's not a good plan. I'm going to poop tomorrow on Monday. I mean, in addition to hopefully the poops that you had today. Well, just for your one. I mean, the ones that I will be gathering. I care about you. Gather them. The poops of import. Important poops. Wait, pause. Does it matter what you eat that day? Because I was talking about that. So, well, they said they don't want uh, diarrhea poops. So, no spicy foods. Yes. When? And they don't want period poops. Oh. Well, that's probably just because they're grossed out. Like, no, I think it, actually... no, I think it um, interferes. Oh, because the they want to make sure that you... They want you have, poops. If you have blood in your stool, that's different. Yes. Than happening to get yes. blood on your stool. Yeah. You're welcome, everybody. Sorry, Dad. Stool. Stools. Okay. That's like a toadstool with fairies. Everything's connected. Everything's connected. <laughs> a 2016 survey of 1,500 people... Showed those who said they were you're likely. You're listening to us. You're a trooper. You're an all-star. You're an in-star, oh, actually. In-star. I thought I got it right. <laughs> you did not. Um, we're likely to spend a hypothetical windfall of money impulsively or reported higher levels of other impulsive behavior like binge drinking, unprotected sex. I mean, I definitely don't do those things. I mean, other than at the podcast you drink. It's not the same as binge drinking. This is like when oh, you're you, on a bender for several oh, oh, days. You and rationalize you it the same way I do. <laughs> Why are you making a, a smiling face with the cable of my cord? Why are you cable making Why are you making a must a beard with the cable it of was your a cord? Face. I was trying like the grin of the from ear to ear. The grin. Okay, but it's under your chin, so it looks like a beard. Because it's the only way it'd hold up. Get your imagination on point. You like to snap at me during this thing. It's been today. I don't know why. No, you I did think last it's... time too. Did I? Yeah. Oh. When you thought I wasn't on track and then I had to call your shit for not being on track during my topic. Okay. And when you I... brought it to exploding mule deer, just... which is nothing I was talking about. I'm going to apologize for snapping. <laughs> this brings me back to early childhood when I snapped at my sister once and she thought it was very rude and mean and I had to apologize. So I'm sorry. I is that when she killed your hamster? <laughs> it's all making sense it's all making sense I'm so sorry snapped it there is a battle <laughs> not today there is a battle going on in parts of your brain macy this is what you get for going second don't even act like it's about me the primary reward drives <laughs> of our brain are battling with the part of the brain which is calculating the price so Think of the pain of the price. Like right now, everybody's talking about the pain at the pumps. Mm, But actually, the part of the brain that is involved in calculating price experiences pain, like actual physical pain. It's the same brain experience that's involved in real physical pain and also experiencing horrible smells. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) 
people are thought to exist on a spectrum of how much pain they get from paying on the one end are spendthrifts. Spendthrifts don't really feel that pain when they That's spend money. That's not me. <laughs> they don't mind spending extra money if they've got it. No, not me. On the other end of the spectrum are the tightwads. You call them Macy. They will wait until the last minute to pull out their wallets, even to pay for something they need. These experience makes mm. these people may experience the pain of paying physically with actual physical symptoms like increased body temperature yes. and sweating. I love this idea. I, I would like to say, so I think that I definitely fit in this category, but under certain circumstances. What's well, the spectrum? Yeah. To me, it's like, if it's, if I can like equate it to being for somebody or something else outside of myself, I, I, that doesn't, that's not painful, but if it's about me, it didn't feel selfish then you sweat I, more yeah the social norms fu social norms ruining my buying experiences I hate social norms normal is boring normal is boring and i still buy stuff spent and i still go to starbucks me too spendthrifts <laughs> are more likely to spend their money even if they don't have money to spend studies mm-hmm. have found those at the spendthrift end of the spectrum had more credit card debt yeah i don't do that Tightwads are more vulnerable to tricks to get them to spend their money, however. Probably true. So (laughs) they feel the pain of spending more intensely. So they're going to be on board for anything that's going to make them feel that pain less. Mm. Ploys to reduce the pain of spending don't work well on spendthrifts. For example, individuals were asked if they were willing to pay a $5 fee to get overnight delivery on a new purchase. When the word quote unquote small was placed before the $5 fee, so a small $5 fee, the tightwads felt more better about spending that price. I feel more better about that too, actually. And I think I've, I've actually had that before where I'm like, I maybe I'll pay that because like, it's cause small. Because it's, it's small. It's small. It's only five dollars. I've paid for other things that are five. I've bought coffees. Yeah, five dollars. But this change in wording did not affect the spend spendthrifts. Because they'll spend that money anyway. They don't care. They're not. They these tricks don't work on them. Well, but I wonder if it's like how much is coming in. Like if they're being no, it's if more it's often if with- it's if they have the money to spend equally oh, gotcha, on both gotcha, groups gotcha. okay okay. it's just like who feels the pain of spending more mm-hmm. spendthrifts don't feel the pain tight ones feel that pain can we have a bet i like the word spendthrifts i don't like the word tight ones. i did not name these tight ones is like do you want to rebrand them please i feel like it's what do you want very you stigmatizing and i don't enjoy it because it's about me personally what would you like to recall them um well spend what was the other one spend spend are you pouring my drink into your drink right now well there's not another one are you spend thrifting my drink i'm spend thrifting your drink my tight i think i think think so um i feel violated (laughs) you didn't even buy these i did so it's okay it's mine by opening so what do we call a tight one instead I want something like that's more like understanding of the position. Like I think a spendthrift means like miser. I'm thrifty. Do you like miser better? What's a miser mean? It's like a tightwad. No, <laughs> then I don't. How about um? <laughs> how... You don't know what a miser is? No. Oh. <laughs> 
have to think about this. I don't know. Okay. Uh, watch goes to Christmas past and then come back to the table. Wait, what? Why? Because one of the characters is a miser. Oh, one of the ghosts. Did you know my dad did theater back in the day? Did he play a miser? No, he played um, he Ebenezer was... Scrooge. That's the name. I don't like any of these. So you don't want to be labeled a Scrooge either. No, because I think all of those have like What's this wrong connotation. With the word Scrooge? That, that it's bad that you're like a morally bad person. Scrooge sounds fun. No, because that and <laughs> Taiwan means that like you you're morally like it sounds like you morally don't like you're gonna you care more about money is what it sounds like. See, and I don't this think is all true. defensive. No, but wait. But let me I go to rude. the other end, though, to spendthrift. That yeah. makes it sound like just gates are wide open, fucking yard sale. I don't like that either. I mean, to me, though, like thrifty. Bleeding thrifty, at the pump thrifty, without a band. I don't think so. Thrifty to me. like No, I, it's spendthrift. Spendthrift. Okay, let's do both. I'm not going to argue that. I I, I don't agree. enjoy spend because the thrift. word thrifty makes me think of thrift stores, which thinks of like yeah, there's there's a connotation there. Connotation I agree. at either end. Okay, can we just sit with this and think about? Let's it? Let's rebrand both time. ends of the spectrum. We talked about rebranding last time. I think it's important. Let's think about the words we use and how we use them. This is words matter. The podcast, even has if you me can't pronounce them correctly, they matter. You know what? Like, we give try. us a break. Also. We really thrive. I'm gonna think about this. when people point out our flaws and inaccuracies. I don't. That's how we grow. First, and I don't because I'm a tiny. No, I want it. <laughs> I don't it want me. it. Give it to me. I want to live in a hole. And you want to live in a bubble. If you would rather not, I think bubbles have purpose. That's fine. I'm There's the, a benefit of a bubble I'm, at times. I'm the bubble, and you're the spendthrift on the outside. Poking the bubble. No, no you just work. come into my bubble and let me know what's going on outside so I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I turned it sad. dark. Sounds and sad. sad. Like the malls here. <laughs> so here's some tips and tricks. Tell me. Paying in cash slows down spending. I was thinking, yeah, absolutely. Because the card is too, it's not real money, right? <laughs> Sleeping on a purchase helps to see if you really want it later so if you are still mm-hmm, wanting it mm-hmm. you know in a couple of days I still want you can go back and get tomorrow. it yeah yeah and uh use a shopping list and don't stray from your shopping list so really ultimately knowing how our brains work is going to help us make better decisions i have some synonyms for spendthrift oh here we go improvident Ooh. Mm. Sounds like you're a whore. Myopic. Mm. Sounds like an Sounds exam. like you can't see well. Short sighted. <laughs> Again, can't see it's well. A, it's a Merriam-Webster. <laughs> Big hearted. Oh, yeah. Bound, bountiful, charitable, free-handed, free-hearted, generous. Ooh, I don't like free-handed. La- no, no, no. Generous, lavish. What are we doing with that other mm-hmm. hand? I want to. Mm-hmm. I want my hands under control. Unstinting, careless, heedless, imprudent. These sound just as stigmatizing. See, that's what indulgent, I Indulgent, mean. reckless. This is literally the synonym. Exactly, reckless. Reckless, self-indulgent, splurging, wanton. Wanton. Okay. That, All right. That is me in a fucking nutshell. Now I'm going to look wanton. this up. Wanton. Okay. 
tightwad. I'm looking it up. Which is also feels a little racist. It does. It really does. I don't know what I wouldn't know that wonton meant anything other than something I ate. Wonton soup. What the fuck does that mean? What is happening right this now? This is Miriam Webster. We, are we uncovering some shit? Miriam Webster dictionary right here. Okay. Mm. Here's tightwad. Okay. A mean of grasping purse, a uh, mean ape, sorry, a mean grasping. Why did your door just open? I don't think you shut it thoroughly before. Okay. Or it's a good, it's or you brought those fucking dark fairies into my house. It's literally closed for a whole hour. What is Black that? Blackenies. The, the names. Knuckle Words Jagger. matter. Words matter. <laughs> Words matter. Okay, so a mean, this says a a tightwad is a mean grasping person who's usually stingy mm. with money oh because you hold your money in a tight wad if you're always sorry there's a cat ad um if you're always such a tight, we talked about cats a lot today so a concept is if you're always such a tight wad when charity comes calling so basically like if somebody wants something for free you say no synonyms cheapskate churl <laughs> a meeser what was that word miser, miser. Me, sir. There's a word I will not say. Penny pincher. Oh, Piker, that's racist for sure. Scrooge and a skin. Scrooge flint. comes in. Oh, skin flint. See, a hoarder, pack rat, saver. Okay, let's so stop labeling people because people. these labels Are, feel bad. They feel so bad. Yours was racist. Mine is racist, and. And rude. I'm basically a horse soup. (laughs) (laughs) And I brought ghosts into your house. (laughs) Spirits. Oh my god. Natural spirits. Horse knuckle draggers. Thank you, Podbean patrons. For only a dollar, you can get exclusive (laughs) access to our what a weird plug. Pre uh our pre pre podcast (laughs) shit. Um, listen to our get, last op- episode. Get access to Naomi's pre shits <laughs> before they get sent out. Before, be yes, when they're fresh, fresh, and not. If you haven't gotten. yet, our last episode was on fracking and sweet Fanny Adams. True. Watch brand new cherry flavor because we're reviewing it next time. Yes, and until next time, don't uh. <laughs> shop without a list (laughs) (laughs) fair 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 um and until next time tinkerbell may be a bitch